This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, I want you to notice that because it means that this is something that had perpetually happened before. But he kept saying this, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, Lord, that these ancient stories that you have preserved and that have been passed down orally and been passed down in written form and have gone through languages and now are alive today, that the Spirit of God is going to make them life and truth to us this morning. Lord, it's a holiday weekend and there's a tendency just for us just to kind of relax and and take it easy. And we thank you that rest is a gift from you. But Lord, I just have a feeling that you're going to surprise some people this morning. That Lord, you have destiny changing truth. That's what your word is. And that's what your word does. So Lord, we just want to tell you before we move forward that anything you want to say, Lord, we're ready. We're open. Give us an obedient spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me ask you this question. Do you want to be good or do you want to be great? Earlier this decade, Jim Collins came out with an excellent book called Good to Great. And he talked about the difference it is from being a good company, this was a corporate book, and a great company and identified some characteristics and so forth. But the content of that book is not important this morning. What's important is the concept of the whole idea that we can be good at something, but there's that little extra that happens to make us great. You know that water boils at 212 degrees. So at 211 degrees, it's far less effective and potent, but once it hits 212, it changes elements, it changes properties, and it's completely, completely different. Well, I want to talk to you today about a journey, a journey Abraham took. At that time, he was known as Abram. He took a 300-mile journey from his home to the land of Canaan. And I want to talk to you about this journey because the journey I want you to focus in on is not the geographical journey, but the journey of the heart, the journey of the motivation, the journey of the attitude. Because Abram took a journey that I think is going to affect you. He, he moved from being in a good situation to a great situation. Now, we know from Genesis 14, 14 that, that Abram had 381 warriors. So when we, all in all, probably with all his servants and his children and all the people who were with him, he probably had about 1,000 people in his entourage. So when God said, leave, this was not putting five or six people in a minivan. This was a huge relocation project, and it affected lives, and it affected families, and it affected a whole cultural structure. 
But beyond that, you notice in verse 1 that Abraham, Abram was asked to leave three things, to leave his country. And that, that's pretty big there. Because you leave your country, you leave the, the, the place that you know, the place that's familiar. But then he said, but also leave your family. Family was everything. It should still be today. But that was his clan. That was his identity. And then he went even further and he said, I want you to leave your father's household. Your country, your family, and your father's household. The call to leave. The journey that Abram was sent on. And I wonder if we fully can embrace what that meant. Because to us, sometimes leaving is a positive thing. I mean, we're like, it's time for us to move. You know, we're a very mobile society uh, that most people move every two and a half years. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just the way it is. We're, we're very connected uh, through the different regions of our nation, and we're able to, to move around. But as you can imagine, several thousand years ago, moving wasn't quite so convenient. You, you know all of the, I don't have to explain to you that all the transportation that hasn't been developed and uh, man had not progressed to a point to where people mostly didn't leave a few miles of where, of where they grew up their whole lives. So we, we see this as exciting. Yeah, leave your father's household. That needs to happen. But this was radical to Abram. I mean, what, what he was being asked to do by God, the people just didn't do. It wasn't that they didn't like it. They just didn't do it. This was a revolutionary request. You're supposed to leave the very thing that you've always known. We can identify with that much more than Abram had. This was revolutionary and a total, total change. So verse 12 is key for a couple of reasons. And I want to point out a couple of things before we start getting into the practical aspects of it. And we know that, that in verse 12, the book of Genesis changes. And all of a sudden it begins to focus on one man. Up to that point, it's focused on mankind. And there's stories about Noah and some of those. But, but, but the history of the world uh, starts in Genesis 12.1 with Abraham. And as you probably already know, all of Abraham's descendants are the Jews and the Israelite people. And then... Those of us who are Gentiles, we were grafted into Abraham. And so really Genesis 12.1 starts and it just defines and it pinpoints, pinpoints on this one man and his descendants. And then by faith, us today. So it's a remarkable change. And here you see in, in, in verse 1 where he, it says, The Lord said to Abraham, and whenever the word Lord is capitalized in most of your versions, it's not talking about Lord like, like Lord Winston Churchill or Lord this or that. The capital words there means the name of God. Yahweh. God is one. One of the things that the Lord is trying to tell Abraham is you leave the land where there's many gods and you follow one God, which is me. You follow one voice. You are after one person. So here it is. He was set up, Abram, when his father Terah died, to be in charge. He was going to have everything. He was going to own the land. He was going to be in charge not only of his family, but he was going to be in charge of everyone in their tribe and in their country, if you want to go, go, go that far. So let me ask you this. Why would God ask Abram to give up something that seems so good? Why is it that God had to ask for sacrifice from Abram? Here's the truth. Sometimes 
You must leave what you know to get what you've never seen. You have to be willing to leave the familiar to get to that which God has for you. So the real journey here is not the physical distance. It's not the the transporting of all the people. But it's a journey of our hearts and a journey of our motivation and a journey of our destiny. Let me share with you some of the challenges Abram had. And there are challenges too to be everything God wants us to be. Write it down if you're taking notes. To go from security to uncertainty. That is the opposite of where we want to go. You know, it's hard to leave home. Because at home, you have a sense of security and you don't have to face uncertainties. Bills are paid and there's no rent, there's no mortgage. You don't have to worry about maintaining the house. Mom and dad, they worry about all that. But the truth is this, is that leaving produces something we've never seen before. And when we have the challenge of leaving, we have to leave what is secure and we face that which is uncertain. And I believe one of the great challenges to us as a culture is this, is that people are not leaving home. And people need to do that. Young adults need to leave home. And they just do. Now, there are cases where cohabitation is necessary, and there are transitional times and there's transitional periods. But can I tell you, there comes a time when you have to leave security and face uncertainty. Rent is tough to pay. A mortgage is responsibility. There are times when you feel lonely. But if you never leave what is secure, you'll never get what God has for you in the future. And one of the things, sociologists, I've seen the studies, and one of the great, great uh, detriments of Western civilization, uh, I mean, it's terrible in Italy and in France and now even to America, is the fact that uh, young adults are not leaving home. And they're not establishing their own home. There is an unhealthy codependence. Now, God moves through families. God moves through families. And healthy families reproduce new families. And so I want to challenge some of you that there has come a time if you are perpetually attached to your parents, that's not the will of God. Like I said, there's transition times. And and as you're launching into adulthood, you need to save money and go to school. But if you're sleeping late and not working and bumming off your parents, that's not the will of God for you. And parents, that's not the will of God for you to create that kind of environment for your kids. You have to leave and go establish your home and who you are. And that takes a risk. And that's tough. But when you're willing to leave security for uncertainty, then you can be the man and the woman of God He wants you to be. This other journey is from familiar to unknown. Write it down. Sometimes God can't change us until He changes our atmosphere. Because when we're in the familiar, we think how we've always thought. We do what we've always done, and we slip into the habits we've always had. And so God has to change our atmosphere. And it is unknown, and it's not familiar, and it's scary. I came to a point in this in my collegiate 
life. And this is why this passage means so much to me. I went off to school for a year, two states away, and it was a good experience, but I got homesick, and I came back home and started living with my parents and going back to my home church, and, and it was great. I mean, they, they like provided a whole section of the house for me. I had like uh, my own cable TV and free food and all this type of stuff, and God clearly spoke that verse to me. And he said, you leave, you leave your home. I, l- I love living in Dallas. I still love Dallas to this day. But I knew then, and this was in the fall of, of, two, of 1994, so clear. The fall of 1994, God said, you need to leave. I'm going to establish you somewhere else. In January of 1995, I got a call that connected me to Nashville, where I believe God here in Middle Tennessee has established my ministry. And in between there, there were some, some uncertainties and there was all that type of stuff. But in my heart, I knew that God had released me and was taking me from that which is familiar to that which is unknown. And I want you to open your mind to that. I want you to open your mind because the, 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 when you're not used to making steps like that, they become harder and harder. The challenge number three is from accepted to misunderstood. From accepted to misunderstood. Abram, when he was in his country, when he was with his family, when he was in with his people... He was accepted. Everybody knew who he was. Everybody knew who he belonged to. Everybody knew the drill. Terah's going to die, and Abraham's going to take charge. Abram will be in charge from this point forward. And that was what was acceptable in that culture. As I mentioned in the introduction, people just didn't do what God asked Abram to do. But here is the truth. The truth is this, is that if you want to be great and move from good to great, you're going to be misunderstood. You realize that? That even the people closest to you won't always understand what God has called you to do. That is just the truth. Galileo, he lived in the 1600s and he had this crazy theory, heliocentrism, which means the sun is the center of the universe. It's not hard for us to believe that now. But can you imagine a world that had always believed in a geocentric world where the earth was the the center of the universe? And people would not understand this. So you know what they did? The Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church, called him a heretic. And in 1632, made him denounce that, that truth and put him in house arrest the rest of his life. Why? Because he was misunderstood. It, it, it would have been easier for him to be accepted than to be misunderstood. But the truth is the truth. Think about Noah. He had this wild concept called rain and flooding. No one understood it because it had never been done before. Moses led a people that had been in slavery for 400 years. And let's think about this. Our nation is only 250 years or so. And yet, he had led. These people had been in in bondage, in slavery for 400 years. Yet, he was bold enough to say, God is telling us it's time to go. So boldly, think about Jesus. Jesus came and he said, your religious leaders are wrong. I have a yoke that's easy. I have a burden that's light. I have new wine. And this, these old wineskins won't be able to hold this new wine. Paul. Paul said Gentiles can be Christians. What? 
Gentiles can be believers? It's never happened before. If he would have chosen to be accepted instead of misunderstood, then many of us who are Gentiles in here today wouldn't know Christ. And it moves on and on through church history. John Wycliffe, he believed that. He believed that everyone should have the Scripture in their native language. And it made the church so mad that they digged up his bones 44 years after he died. And they burned John Wycliffe. A German monk named Martin Luther believed that there was a priesthood of the believer and that we didn't have to go through a priest to get to God. And he could have just been accepted and kept that to himself, but he chose to be misunderstood. John Wesley believed that preaching didn't just have to happen inside a church. So he began to preach in the fields and he began to preach at the coal mines and he began to preach in the streets and he chose to be misunderstood instead of accepted. Charles Parham and William Seymour believed that the Spirit of God moved today and speaking in tongues and prophecy exists today and so they were misunderstood instead of accepted. Over and over and over again. If you want to be great for God, you're going to be misunderstood somewhere along the way. But Abram took the journey from being known to being misunderstood, from being accepted to being misunderstood. Four, the journey from being recognized to unnoticed. One of the loneliest places you'll ever be is when you are unrecognized. You can be very lonely in a crowd. And I just imagine Abram entering into Canaan. And at one time he was the boy. He was the heir apparent. And now he was entering a land where he was unrecognized. No one noticed him. That's a tough place to be. Sometimes we step out, but nobody else steps up. And that's hard. It's kind of like when Moses led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. And great victory! The whole army's dead! We got the victory! And look what's before us! Desert! We talked about in our series on Mark 1 how Jesus went into the water and He came up and the, the Spirit of God said, or God, the Father said, this is My Son in whom I'm well pleased. Spectacular, great. Then the Spirit sent Him into the desert. You see where what happens? A lot of times we step out in faith and we, we go and we follow the plan of God and we aren't cheered on by everybody. And there's opposition and there's challenge and we have to step out of the recognized into the unknown. One of the, the challenges of having success at a young age, whether you're an athlete or in, the, in business or in the ministry even, is that when you succeed at a young age, you, you have a certain level of success that you, you think it will always be. And maybe that drives us on, maybe that's good, but at other times it can be challenging. And, and my story is... is Straight out of college, I inherited a big youth group, about 100 junior high kids, and got to lead these kids, and got to grow for three or four years, and it was great. Then God called me to go be part of a church plant, and I went from being part of this big youth group, because we, we'd grown that group and so forth, um, to a youth. It wasn't a youth group, because to have a youth group, you have to have more than one. We had a youth, a seventh grade girl. And God blessed me so much that year that we doubled the youth ministry. 
And we went to summer camp, and we took two girls to summer camp. And Beth was with Abby, was just born, so Beth didn't even go. So I took these two girls to camp, and they went with the female monitors, and I was there with two kids. You see, the summer before, I had essentially ran a camp that was bigger than the one we were participating. I was in charge the summer before. And now, I have these two girls who, once they met their counselors, they, they kind of ignored me anyway, didn't even want to acknowledge who I was. And that particular week, I remember just feeling very unnoticed. You know, I was used to giving out orders and being in charge. But now I was unnoticed. But can I tell you, that particular week, might have been one of the sweetest weeks I've had with the Lord. Because when no one else notices you, God will notice you. And maybe when no one else notices you, you can notice God more. So Abram had left being recognized to be an unnoticed, but yet he was following the Lord and he was in the Lord's will and he was right where God wanted him to be. So where does that lead us? Because for your life, if you want to go from good to great, if you want to really reach your potential, all of the things we just outlined, these four things, are challenges you're going to face somewhere along the way. But like anything, beyond the challenge, there's a reward. Because God doesn't just give you a challenge because He wants your life to be painful. God doesn't just want your life to be miserable. He is preparing and training and He's causing you to step in to something new in your life. So here are the results. Abram went from maintaining to creating. Write it down, number one, under result. He went from maintaining to creating. Now, maintaining is fine. And there really are some positives. Because we need to maintain our values and maintain what God's given us and we don't need to take for granted all the gifts God's given us. So there is something positive to maintaining. But can I tell you that God has made us to be more than maintainers. He has created or made us to be creators. We were created in the image of God and we are to create and that's why He gave us dominion over this earth and He he even gave the responsibility to man to name the earth, to take dominion and subdue the earth under His will and under His purpose. So when we begin to move from good to great in our life, when we begin to advance and move from the familiar to the new place God has for us, we move into just maintaining to creating. Creating opportunity, creating wealth, creating something beyond yourself that will live after you're gone, creating networks so other people can benefit and grow, that God wants you to create something and He is the one that has to get you to leave what you've always known to show you something you've never seen before. You see, some of you have yet to even have a vision of who God believes you can be. You have no idea what He has in store for you. You have no idea the potential you have. You have no idea what He has for you. But you'll never find what God has for you if you're not willing to leave what you have today. You see, it's, you can stay where you're at. And, and you can have a good life. You can. This is not a heaven and hell issue. Do you understand that? I mean, I mean we're going to heaven because of grace. Okay, I'm talking about potential. I'm talking about the enemy who wants you to be average, that wants you to be normal, that wants to keep you in what you've always known. And God who's saying, I have called you to do something maybe no one in your family has done before. 
to do something that won't be socially acceptable to the circles you run in today. I'm causing you to step out, to step forward, to stretch yourself. Because in the end, I have called you to create, not just to maintain. He is taking us, number two, from taking to blessing. Look at verse 2. I love that. I will make you, and remember what I said in the introduction, this is becoming very personal. Now, Genesis 12.1 just like brings it all right down to a personal relationship between God and Abram. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And you will be a blessing. Look at the end of verse 2. You are going to bless Can I tell you that God wants to move us from always taking to blessing and to giving. And one of the issues that you and I have as Americans living in this culture is that we are transitioning into a nation of takers instead of a nation of givers. Over the last 40 years, the welfare system has been broken. And I'm not one that says the government should never help out or play their role, but when we're producing people who are perpetually addicted to welfare, it's ripping the soul out of who we are as a people. Because God hasn't called us to take, He's called us to bless. He hasn't called us to always looking for a handout, He's called us to give out. That's who we are called to be as His blessed people. I want you to think about this number, $776 billion. $776 billion. You know that's how much we owe to the nation of China? It's on the U.S. Treasury Department. You can go look. That is as of June of 2009. $776 billion. Now here's the issue. I'm not a legalist when it comes to debt. I have a debt load that I maintain and all that. But I do have an issue with this. Is that our nation is in debt to communist China that represses religious rights, that promotes atheism, and can I tell you, someone along the way did not lead well for us to be in that position. We are supposed to be givers, not borrowers. That goes for our nation, that goes for you as an individual. Because that's what the blessing of the Lord wants to move us. You see, I don't know the exact situation Abram was in, but all I know is God said, in order for you to be a blessing, you've got to leave. (laughs) In order for you to fully bless, you have to move from where you are today to where I'm taking you. In recent days, I've really been inspired by a secular writer named Tim Sanders. Tim Sanders is the create. at one time he was a creative force behind Yahoo. So this guy is well accomplished. When I heard him speak recently, he called for a revolution of generosity. Because he said this, he said, the worst thing we can have is a mindset of scarcity. And scarcity says there's not enough to go around. There's not enough money, there's not enough opportunity, there's not not enough love, there's not enough blessing. And when we get in that scarcity mindset, it cripples us, it cripples our creativity. And this is from a man who I don't even know if he claims to be a Christian. Can I tell you that is uh, wisdom from above, that we need to keep a a mindset of generosity to say that we are going to be a blessing. Some of you have the wrong question today. Your question is this. Your question is, how am I going to get? And you need to change your question is, how am I going to bless? 
It's not when is my ship going to come in. It's who can I give to next. And I'm telling you this. This is not just put your mind at ease. There's no fundraising coming on after this. I'm not going to unveil the building project or anything like that. Now, I'm not talking, this is not an institutional sermon where we're trying to get you to give more to this church. I'm talking about in everything, in your love for people, in your enthusiasm, in your optimism, in every area of your life, there's enough to go around. There's enough to be a blessing. You're called to be a giver, not a taker. You're not supposed to suck the life out of an organization. You're not supposed to suck the hope out of your children. You're not supposed to uh, take everything in, in your marriage, be the taker, and always you're the one to be served. You're supposed to serve. You're supposed to bless. You're supposed to give because that is what God has called us to be. That He is going to make us a blessing to those that are in contact in our life. Here's the last thing. And this is, is I love what God does. It's the result of Abram leaving. Number three, he went from local influence to global and generational transformation. Now let's think about Abraham for a second, the father, the father of a nation of Israel, father of religion, Judaism. Even the, 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 the Muslims, they, they claim him as their father. So here he is, and, and even though that's a illegitimate religion, though they claim him. And then for those of us who've been crafted in in Christ, we are with him. We, we have followed him. Do you understand that if Abram would have stayed in with his daddy, and with his country, and with his people, if he would have stayed there, he probably would have had a good life. You realize that? He probably would have had a good life, but we may not know his name today. We might not even be here today because God moved him from something that is good to something that is even better. And I, I love that we see this, uh, this uh, manifested in Luke chapter 2, verse 29, when Jesus was presented at the temple and said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. That flowed through Abraham. It flowed because he was willing to leave that which was comfortable to that which is unknown. To leave from being recognized to, to, to go where he was unnoticed. All of that happened because of his obedience to the Lord. I love what Psalm 67 says. May God be merciful and bless us. May His face smile with favor on us. May Your ways be known through the earth, Your saving power among people everywhere. May the nation praise You, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise You. Let the whole world sing for joy because You govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. May the nations praise You, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise You that the earth will yield its harvest and God our God will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us and people all over the world will fear Him. Is that not a beautiful scripture? You know that that happened because we can sing that and declare that because Abram was willing to leave what he knew to go to somewhere else. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. Abram. I want you to write this down. It's in your notes. Let me give you the meaning of the word Abram. A-B-R-A-M means exalted father. And that's a good thing to be an exalted father. It's a good thing to be blessed among people you know, to be blessed among people that recognize you, to be blessed among people where you're secure. He's exalted father, but we know that God changed his name to Abraham. Write this down. You know what Abraham means? The father of many. The father of many. 
See, if you want to move from good, Abram, good, influencing this local little little tribe you're part of, to great father of nations, you got to be willing to leave. Leave. Follow him. Do what he says. Obey him. Don't hold on to the things that make you comfortable. Instead, follow where he's leading you to. Well, we have the privilege today of taking the Lord's table together. And we're going to make sure you don't have to take communion today. If you prefer not to, you can let it pass. But our ushers are going to pass out communion. And I want you to take it. I want you to hold it. I'm going to make sure that everyone prays today. You might say, Aaron, I don't know if my life is right with God. I don't feel worthy to take communion. Can I tell you that if you go ahead and take, go ahead and hold the elements before, before we take them, I'm going to pray with you and you're going to have an opportunity to make things right with God. I want you to use this time to evaluate your life, to look for any sin that might be in your life because we're going to confess them together. But I also, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Abram and say, God, is there a place you're leading me? Is there a change that you have for me? Am I dwelling in only what I know and only what, I, um, what is secure when you have something greater for me? Because we're going to pray about that to, together also. Let's have a time of reflection. This has been a Church at Indian Lake podcast. Be sure to check out IndianLakeChurch.com for all updated news and information.